Welcome to the Bonner Private Research Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Bowman. Each week, we bring you exclusive conversations with members of Bill Bonner's private research team, as well as some special guests we'll meet along the way. We're trying to connect the dots, from high finance to lowly politics, private investments to public follies, from Wall Street to Main Street, at home and on the road. We're into sound money, personal freedom, classical books, and great wines. Not always in that order. So join me and the rest of the Bonner Private Research team as we pack our bags and follow the money. You look out your window, past your gardener, who is busily pruning the lemon, cherry and fig trees amidst the splendor of gardenias, hibiscus, and hollyhocks. The sky is clear blue. The sea is a deeper blue, sparkling with sunlight. A gentle breeze comes drifting in from the ocean, clean and refreshing, as your maid brings you breakfast in bed. For a moment, you think you've died and gone to heaven, but this paradise is real and affordable. In fact, it costs only half as much to live this dream lifestyle as it would to stay in your own home. So wrote Bill Bonner in a letter to prospective readers of a very special magazine he began publishing way back in 1979. Bill was inviting people to see the world in a whole new way, to look beyond that which was immediately in front of them, and to imagine living the kind of life they'd only ever dreamed possible. A gorgeous vista, a maid bringing fresh-squeezed orange juice, the time to read and relax, and to contemplate all that was truly important in life. It was an invitation to step off the treadmill, to escape that quotidian march, eschew the nine-to-five rat race, to live, in other words, on one's own terms. The message was for anyone, wrote Bill, who wants to broaden his or her horizons, visit foreign countries, make overseas investments, and to save money. That message, one carried out by the International Living Team for more than four decades, is perhaps more important now than ever before. The global health crisis of 2020 and the subsequent responses by some governments in the West has forced many people to reconsider their priorities. From the high cost living in overcrowded cities to work at home and remote work solutions, many people, especially those living in so-called developed countries, have begun peering over the privet hedge and exploring, often for the very first time, that dream Bill was writing about all those years ago. That is to say, the vision of an international lifestyle. It's a trend that has been growing for some time, but one that has really began to gather pace of late. From May to August this year, the International Living Publishing House reported a surge in web traffic on their site. In particular, they found searches for how to move out of the US had increased by a whopping 945%. By some estimates, there are now more US citizens moving to Mexico than there are Mexicans moving to the US. And the same is true elsewhere, too including in the South Pacific. This from Forbes.com. 
According to Immigration New Zealand, a total of 250,000 Americans have looked into how to leave the US and move to the Pacific Island nation, with visits to the website New Zealand Now spiking 160%, an average of about one US resident visiting per minute. The article went on to note that Companies which help Americans get second passports are also witnessing a massive increase in demand for their services. In fact, data from the US Federal Registry shows a more than tenfold increase in the number of Americans who went so far as to renounce their citizenship in the first six months of this year compared with the last six months of 2019. Some may be tempted to write this off as a temporary phenomenon a passing phase that will quickly correct after the COVID pandemic abates, whenever that may be. My guest today is not one of those people. In a private note to members of the Bonner Private Research Group recently, he wrote, Everywhere on my beat, the desire for a more meaningful life is apparent. From the emptying of congested cities, to the surge in demand for rural properties, to the unprecedented volume of sales we have seen since lockdown in Mexico and Panama. None of this feels temporary or passing to me, he wrote. Anything but, in fact. That was Ronan McMahon. It just doesn't make sense to me to go to an office. Everyone goes into an office. Everyone sits at a desk from nine to five or nine to six. And that that's it. That's the, the, the work environment that that just isn't fit for purpose for the way the, the world is. I've known Ronan now for more than 15 years, partly as the guy with, I think, one of the coolest job titles in the world, roving international real estate investor. I think of that as kind of like a special agent, only one dedicated to uncovering property bargains in remote and exotic locales. As well as being editor of International Living's Real Estate Trend Alert, Ronan has, for some years now, also been Bill's personal real estate scout, tipping him off to some of the very best international buyers on the market, long before those spots became sought-after vacation and second-home destinations. One of the things I really appreciate about Ronan, besides that job title and his ability to tell a great yarn, is that he does actually walk the walk. Ronan really does spend more time beachcombing and test-playing golf courses, all for the benefit of prospective clients, of course, than just about anyone I know. He really does do his due diligence, uh, in other words, on and off the golf course. It's why, within even a short conversation, he can easily hop from discussing the economic visa situation in Portugal to the vibrant expat scene in Los Cabos San Lucas, from how to gain residency and even citizenship in Greece, and by extension the EU, to the vitality and resilience of Panama City through to the best beach town you've probably never heard of in Costa Rica. Having conducted countless property deals for his readers over the years, in more countries than most people will probably ever visit, Ronan truly knows his stuff. We discuss all this and more in today's show. My conversation with Ronan McMahon, up next. Ronan McMahon, mate, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Uh, we were just talking off, 
off mic, I guess, about your busy, tragil, uh, busy travel schedule. Uh, you want to fill us in what the life of a roving real estate investor looks like schedule-wise, because it sounded pretty crazy. <laughs> Thanks, Joel, and an absolute pleasure to be to be chatting chatting with you as as always. Well, so. I guess, Joel, I'm sitting here overlooking the rolling green hills of the of the Irish countryside, of the, the County Cork countryside. And this is my base for kind of the, the summer months, typically June, July and August. Um, late spring, early fall, I base myself out of Portugal. And then for the for the remainder of the year, um, Los Cabos in in Mexico is my base. So I kind of my life is governed by, I guess, you know, this kind of all year round spring like weather. That's you know, I I don't I don't want to be in heating. I don't want to be in in air conditioning. Um, I want to be in a place that you know that 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 I feel comfortable and is with an easy hop to real estate opportunity um and then of course there's also the kind of the the residency and the the, the tax component of it in that when when you are mobile and when you are moving around a lot there there are ways that you can very kind of advantageously organize yourself so you know a, a, a mix of that golf spring-like weather and real estate um, investment opportunity while all while while also minimizing my my tax liability yeah for for those of us who are under a never-ending pandemic lockdowns that's that all seems pretty pretty fantastic so just with regards to that has uh with regards to various different states having their, um, you know, their kind of quarantine rules and that kind of stuff, how, how has that uh, affected your plans, if at all? Yeah, so it, I mean, like everyone, you know, my kind of my whole plans this year were 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 pretty dramatically changed. So I was in Los Cabos in Mexico when this all started kind of kicking off in 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 Europe. I hunkered down there until June, so I extended my time in in Cabo um, until June and missed a planned trip to Portugal around April or May. And I guess the, the reason I extended was I didn't want to be coming back to, to to Europe and Ireland until it really felt like things were improving here. So. I kind of caught a good moment to to return to Ireland because I got the moment when things seemed to be getting worse in Mexico, but things were settling down and, and opening up in 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 Ireland. And um, you know, I've been here now for I guess about ten weeks and taken taken no trips outside of Ireland because when I came to Ireland, I had a two week um, two week quarantine or two week self isolation. It's it's at home, so it's it's not, you know, it's not like the the Chinese and Hong Kong quarantines. But um, so I stayed around Ireland, and when I go to Portugal next month, I'll probably go directly from Portugal back to back to Mexico. So, you know, these these quarantines and these restrictions, you know, are, are definitely 
having having an impact. But you know, unlike colleagues who are in you know places like Colombia and Brazil, and I guess you're something similar in 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 Argentina. It's not that complete lockdown. I mean, I can get on a plane tomorrow and go to London or go to Spain or go to Portugal. The only thing is that I'm expected to quarantine when I return. Right, right. Yeah, we were just talking about the the never-ending lockdown here in Argentina. Uh, fortunately, I guess Argentines here are obeying the laws to the extent that Argentines obey any laws, which is which is not really uh, not not really at all. They're still out packed in the parks on the weekends and the cafes and uh, and things like that. But uh, one of the trends, uh, well, one of the subjects we've been talking about a little bit on this uh, on this show is how this pandemic, this kind of global, um, you know, health crisis, has in many ways accelerated a lot of trends that you know we've been writing about for years. You've been investigating for years, um, and how they've accelerated those those trends. So I had a look a little. Um, a little earlier at the number of uh, US citizens that had renounced their citizenship in the first six months of this year. And although the, the absolute numbers are still very small, it's a huge increase in people that are just, you know, maybe for the first time, or maybe they're just getting serious about it now, but looking beyond their own borders. And this gets into what uh, something that you wrote a little bit recently, observing how on, even on International Living's website, the I think it was how to move outside of the U.S. or how to move abroad. the The traffic had increased like almost a thousand percent. That and you notice that 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 this doesn't feel temporary to you. This or, or passing. This feels like you know a trend in motion now gathering pace. Want to uh, talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely, Joel. Um, you know, I I think you know using the word accelerator. You know that that's absolutely and you know completely appropriate because you know first of all i don't see this um as some kind of immediate knee-jerk reaction to to a pandemic i i see this as the acceleration of of a trend that's that's been building momentum um over the last couple of decades um so you know Here's the thing, Joel. I mean, you know, you've been you've been remote and mobile pretty much. Well, certainly, maybe the sixteen or seventeen years that 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 I've known you and and followed your writings from Dubai to to all over the place. You know, this is very normal for people in our world, and it's just starting to become normal for the majority of the of of the working population so it just doesn't make sense to me to go to an office everyone goes into an office everyone sits at a desk from 9 to 5 or 9 to 6 and that that's it that's the the, the work environment that that just isn't fit for purpose for the way the the world is you know why why would i do that and spend you know, an average rent of 3,500 bucks a month in San Francisco and property taxes and living expenses when I can be on the beach in Tulum or in Cabo San Lucas and do exactly the, the same work. Um, mm. so, so this is just a, a fundamental sea change, A, in the, in, in, the, in the work environment. And then coupled with that, you know, just the, the world is just becoming a far, far more 
internationalized place. And right across the world, there are these pockets of places that, that just attract attract people from right across the world and you know these are the places that that are sucking people in because these are places that have exactly what what those people want you know those things that i touched on earlier things like perfect weather beach clean safe environment low cost of living low taxes you know why would you be based in moscow or san francisco or any other of of these places when the, the world and technology means that you can now base yourself there. And that's having a, a profound impact, you know, in, in, terms, of, um, in terms of real estate values in, in, in these places. And, you know, the, the, the crisis, this COVID crisis has created a kind of a, a buying opportunity where two things are happening at the same time. It's accelerating a trend in favor of driving demand towards these types of real estate. But at the same time, it's created a moment where, where we, can, we can buy for less. So it's a very powerful convergence moment. Yeah, yeah, I think you summed that up just perfectly in, um, in one of your columns recently. I think that the subhead was, uh, New York is dead, long live Cabo, which I thought was just a fantastic. Fantastic summation of, of that type of, uh, of exactly those, those trends. So uh, this brings me to, a, I think, a really fascinating idea that you floated recently. Uh, and I guess it's kind of an informal petition or, or maybe just kind of throwing the idea out there. But um, it's about introducing a Portugal-style visa into Mexico, Panama, Costa Rica, uh, tell us a little bit, first of all, what a Portugal-style visa is for those, uh, for those who are wondering about that, and then why and how that extends to, to, to those particular countries, why you see such a, you call it a billion-dollar op uh, opportunity. Sure, ab absolutely. So basically, Portugal, in, in the aftermath of the 2008-2009 crisis, Portugal created a category of residency, and a, and a visa which would allow remote and mobile people who meet certain criteria move to Portugal and pay tax at a rate ranging from zero to 20 percent. So 20 um, percent is on employment income, zero is on dividends and, and other categories of, of, of income. So it's been wildly successful at attracting you know, a whole wealth of mobile tech companies, mobile individuals, um, and, and also then high net worth individuals from, from outside of the, the EU. Um, so my idea, something that I just kind of threw out there by almost by way of divilment as we'd stay in Ireland, just to kind of stir the pot a bit, <laughs> is that why wouldn't, why wouldn't Mexico or Costa Rica and Panama do something similar. Why wouldn't Mexico reach out and say, hey, all you millennials who are paying four grand a month in San Francisco and um, you know, getting this big salary from Facebook, why wouldn't you move to Tulum or, or Cabo? Come here, do your work from, from the beach. We've got, you know, excellent wi-fi there's 
you know, lots and lots of flights connecting back to the to the major centers in the in 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 the U.S. You can move here. Um, you can pay a very low rate of tax, and um, you know, avail of avail of the of of the allowances, the foreign earned income exemptions from from the U.S. And the thing, you know. Joel, the thing about many of these governments is certainly in the case of Panama and, and, and Costa Rica is that they can be quite nimble. You know, Mexico is a bit of a different story that's moving a bit slowly at the moment. And these are places that are just reaching out and they, they, they want us to come. You know, us moving there and us bringing our skills, us creating a an infrastructure of vibrancy, us sending our kids to the schools there, this is all viewed as a, as a positive. So, you know, they're, they're extremely open to, 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 to this, this idea. And I think it's something that very likely will happen in, in some shape or form in the, in the next year or so. The, the, the tricky thing politically is that as part of this program, if we move there, we'd pay a much, much lower tax rate than the than the citizens and the locals. And that's that's can be politically difficult, but we can just point to the 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 amazing success it's been right across the board for Portugal and in lifting the economy and you know and introducing this these whole new vibrant sectors into the economy in, in Portugal. And, you know, in, in the memo I drafted about this and circulated, one of, the, one of the key points, and this has been the experience with my own business and with my own team, is that whenever a key member of my team and my business bases themselves somewhere, within a year or two, there's, there's, a, there's a network around them. There's a network of local freelancers, local vendors, all these, these people. So they, they become a catalyst for, for their own little hub. So it brings a lot, to the, a lot to the economy locally. And this is a hyper competitive market for mobile people. And we're seeing this just kick off in Europe too. Greece has just kind of dusted off its residency program for non-EU citizens, which is now really, really appealing because if you spend 250 grand um, on a home in Greece, you can get Greek residency, but you can also bring both parents and kids. So for a 250 grand investment in your dream cottage on a Greek island, three generations can get, can Greek, get Greek residency. And of course, Greek residency is a route to Greek citizenship. Greek citizenship is EU citizenship. So, you know, this is, this is a very, very exciting time and moment for the kind of, for the flux and, you know, and, and things I know that are very kind of dear to your heart, like free movement of people and being able to, 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 to work around, you know, bureaucratic hurdles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's um, it's a happy irony, I think, that um, it's it's taken uh, you know a very tragic 
crisis uh, in many ways to bring people together. I mean, uh, you know, we've got social distancing and quarantining and heavy handed lockdowns in many places, but uh, in some ways it's incentivizing people to look beyond what, you know, their, their regular kind of, <clears throat> pardon me, their regular nine to five and start to weigh up, hey, maybe, you know, as you said, maybe paying three or four or $5,000 to rent my tiny apartment in San Francisco and be on that nine to five, um, you know, rat race kind of kind of um, uh, routine. Maybe there is a better way. Maybe I should be doing like Ronan. I should be, uh, you know, chasing the endless spring and summer months around the world and um, and living a different kind of lifestyle. Um, but I want to get to your uh, another one of the trends that that I thought was just absolutely amazing. You started. Um, an Instagram account, your cheap dream home it is, which I think this is just, it's wonderfully indicative of the kind of interest that's blowing up around precisely this subject. And you went from something like, you'll know the numbers, but it's something like 150 or, you know, just starting the account, 150 followers to over 160,000 uh, right now, people looking at what they can get for under or around 100K and some of the things, I mean, some of, I, I actually, I must confess, I spent, I lost a couple of hours uh, going down a, uh, your cheap dream home wormhole myself over the weekend, uh, just having a look at some of the places you could get for under 100K uh, in Ireland, in Bulgaria, you know, up and down the Adriatic, all over the place. And then also uh, places you can get for, you know, around the sort of half a million dollar mark that were, you know, they look like, like chateaus. I mean, is this when people go on and look at that that kind of stuff? They can legitimately move to these places. How does how does this work? Yeah. So here's here's the the bottom line with with all that stuff. And you know, the the majority of these homes are in in Europe. And the reality is, in Europe, pretty much right across Europe, if you're if you're willing to go a little bit off the beaten track. Um, you know, $100,000 buys you a really pretty and nice little cottage. So, for example, I'm talking to you today from, from Cork in Ireland where, you know, you won't get anything, anything cute or charming close for maybe 300 grand, but you go to the remote and stunningly beautiful northwest coast of Ireland or to the the North Midlands, where there's a beautiful lake country, and for $100,000, you can get an absolutely charming, ready-to-move-in cottage. Absolutely nothing wrong with it, except that, you know, the, let's call it the mainstream market of urbanites don't find that area appealing for, for, for vacation or second home. And, and what happened with this, this Instagram site, it's kind of crazy so like I mean it was just back in February I was traveling with with Bill and we were traveling in in Nicaragua and in in Mexico and Bill's daughter was along with us and she was kind of showing us her Instagram account and Bill was to me you you should do that just put pictures mm -hmm. up of of where you're going and so literally I, I didn't even I hadn't even seen Instagram be before this February. So, you know, I downloaded Instagram and then I realized that internally within within my team, 
we have a channel called property porn in in our <laughs> slack group and this is really voyeuristic stuff yeah. at two price points one dreamy cheap stuff and the other is dreamy mansions mm. but the, the the whole idea underpinning this is that the the sense of value and bang for your buck will 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 blow you away so we, we used to share these um these properties among ourselves like a group of enthusiasts so i just one saturday evening set up a instagram account called your cheap dream home and um we just started putting the the, the pictures up and um like it went it was at 157 followers i remember because there, there, it was a saturday night and something happened one of our one of our posts just started spreading somewhere somehow i've no idea how it happened and um it just took off and now as we talk here i think we're just about to, to touch 170,000 followers who are predominantly based in the the us and canada but with some brits and australians and some random people thrown in but what what's really what's really struck me about this is just the 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 appetite the appetite for 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 more you know the appetite for a different type of life where where people aren't beholden to a mortgage or to car payments or to to school fees or to all these things that really really burden us and you know i think that's one of the big things you know with with covid and everything that that we're questioning is like why you know why am i what's the questioning the whole rat race that that many people are on and in terms of in terms of profile you know these are much much younger people than say my regular readers of my real estate trend alert newsletter so i mean these are primarily in the kind of the the age range of 30 to 45 so it's a lot of young families a lot of you know just just people with an appetite for for more and something different yeah that's that's a really interesting observation actually it's a, it, it's along with you know instagram just kind of filtering out uh, certain demographics it's um you know that 30 to what would you call it 25 to 40 maybe that kind of age group the the so-called digital nomads absolutely makes sense that uh during a pandemic they're looking around they're starting to starting to recalibrate their values hey do i really want to spend the next 40 years you know in the rat race so that i can maybe afford uh, you know, X lifestyle here when I could be, you know, I could move down to, you know, I could move to some place in Europe, I could move down south of the border and have that immediately. Um, so yeah, that's, and it, it seems like it's such an organic trend um, where it's, there's a real genuine demand for this. I think people have really hopefully taken stock during this moment um, to reevaluate their priorities in life. And it seems like those priorities are drawing a lot of people to the kind of work that that you're doing. So, uh, well, congratulations for that. First of all, you've been on you've been on this um, on this train for a long time. It seems like now people are are really really uh, making a mad rush to to grab your material and grab those opportunities you've been talking about for so long. 
they, they, they are. And then on the kind of, on the, let's call it the, the pull side of the equation with specific, with specific markets, things are happening in part because of the crisis that make now a time when we can buy at significantly lower prices. So um, let's take Medellin, Colombia, for example, which is an extremely popular digital nomad hub, a beautiful city with really great quality of life or pretty much year-round temperatures in the, in the 70s, lush and green, low cost of living. And now because of, so as, as you well know, one of the big things that happened in the, in the aftermath of the, the crisis and the stock market volatility was that the dollar strengthened against many of, m- many, many of the world's currencies. So in Medellin, for example, we have a moment where your dollars in currency terms maybe stretch 20% further. And because of the lockdown, you can find a motivated seller and pay 25 to 30% um, less in, in peso terms. So add them yeah. up and you can buy for half of what was a, was a pre-crisis um, price. And, you know, this is a city that, you know, already was priced low because it was still grappling with the the legacy of the 1980s kind of cocaine reputation and Mm. and all of that which in practice it's it's moved beyond in in the past well decade now um you know i think of of other markets like panama for example and panama is this regional and emerging global hub city, 5% of the the world's trade touches Panama. It's a financial hub. It's a place that, you know, weathered the 2008-2009 crisis extremely well. You know, in fact, it's it's a place that pretty much generally benefits from volatility or challenges elsewhere so it it draws people in when when there when there are challenges elsewhere and the government in panama has brought in this new incredibly generous tax break to 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 real estate and resort developers so what this means is that these developers can effectively get a full tax credit for the entire cost of of construction so in practice, it means the cost of creating a condo that's earmarked for, for tourism development, you know, it is a fraction of, of what it was three months ago. And what I've been able to, to negotiate for, for members of my, my real estate trend alert group is for those developers to pass on those big savings to to us individually. So instead of paying $210,000 for a condo in a beach community in Panama, we can get that same condo for under $140,000. In Spain, very interesting thing about about Spain is that um, the, 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 the inventory are the foreclosed inventory from the last crisis hasn't even cleared yet. So 2008, 2009, Spain's real estate bubble spectacularly implodes. There's a huge number of bank-funded projects where the condos are all built, 
but they were never sold. Bank takes them over, just shutters them. Nothing, nothing happened. Um, some of these condo projects were slated to be to be remarketed um, this February and March. Mm-hmm. Um, that got stalled because of the COVID crisis, mm-hmm. and now we're getting access. I'm able to offer those, those condos to, to RITA members for 50% off as well because basically the bank got worn down, tired, tired, tired of waiting for a buyer to come in and take everything. And then finally, when they were ready to sell them in March, that got shuttered again. So now they're on their knees and we, we have incredible negotiating power. So as I said, there, you know, you can... For the for the first chunk of this conversation, we kind of talked about maybe the the the, the factors pushing people out of out of the, the the U.S. and Canada, but then also on a more kind of micro market level, there there are factors in places like Tulum, the southern edge of Mexico's Riviera Maya, Panama, the Costa del Sol in Spain, Medellin in Colombia, reasons. And the, the, the effect is that we can buy there at a significant discount to what we could have back in, back in February. So we're, it's, a, it's back to this idea of, of two big converging trends. Yeah, Vernon, I, I absolutely love the, the, the <laughs> just going around the world with you, looking at all these different, uh, looking at all these different opportunities and your, your research is so deep and you've been doing this for so long that uh, it's, it's wonderful to hear that you can just pick up, well, we're here in Colombia. Oh, let's go over to Mexico, to the, to the Riviera Maya. And by the way, I've got a development that I'm talking to people in Spain. You're, you're really one of the, one of the leading experts in this field and you've got your, You've got your boots on the ground all over the place. Um, so we're going to have to, I think, continue this conversation again and again, just check in with you uh, when you're generous enough to, to offer us your time because it's a big world and there are so many opportunities out there. And I, I get the feeling that uh, a lot of people are right now just kind of, you know, getting clued into this. And as as you mentioned in that uh, that note the other day, I think this is... This is not a temporary trend. This is not passing. I think this is really the beginning of uh, of a stampede uh, here. So we could be we could be very very opportunistically placed. I think. Absolutely, Joel. Um, a pleasure as as always. And maybe to to that point, I might just end on end on a brief anecdote. But last week, I was went on a golf trip with three buddies it's it's a regular four of us who go every summer usually we go to 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 scotland usually we leave ireland but we were within ireland this time because of the the travel restrictions and before every other year these guys would look at the way i organize my life and they're just in disbelief so these are guys in the kind of the corporate world management consulting and, and it and usually I'd go early when we're taking a trip, rent a B&B, relax, work from my Airbnb, and everything would be much more fluid. But they'd have this brief three-day window and they'd fly in, fly out, and everything would be, would be rushed and frenetic. This year, we were all in the same boat. 
Um, the other guys had their family with them. They split from the family for three days for the golf trip. They were, you know, they were doing the whole kind of taking the whole month of August, staying in Airbnbs, kind of blurring the lines between family vacation and work from home. And it was just so fascinating um, for me to see that the, the way I organize my life, you know, is almost becoming mainstream. It's certainly becoming mainstream in some kind of IT and consulting um, professions now. And that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal for cities. It's a big deal for, for, for commercial real estate. It's a big deal for, for residential real estate in parts of the suburbs. And it's a really, really big opportunity for us in these internationalized places that are just going to continue to, to, to draw people in. So um, a pleasure, Joel. Thanks a million. Lovely to speak with you as always. Hey, thank you so much for thanks so much for chatting, Rona. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bonner Private Research Podcast. You can find more conversations like this in the members-only section of our website at bonnerprivateresearch.com. If you would like to contact us, please address compliments and complaints alike to podcast at bonnerprivateresearch.com. We look forward to hearing from you either way. Until next week.